Hey guys, this is Tina with Running in Life. Thank you for joining us. Um, we have been going through uh, the Gospel of John. We've been in John chapter 1. Um, we just finished up with verse 44. So now we're starting in verse, sorry, verse 43. Now we're starting in verse 44. We're looking at the nature of God and we are looking at um, like the commands of God. So <clears throat> we see that after Jesus says, follow me, that uh, Philip and Andrew and Peter um, all go back and get like their friends, right? Well, actually, Philip went and found Nathaniel. And he says, hey, look, we have found the one that Moses wrote about. And uh, Nathaniel's response is just hilarious. So verse 46, this is out of the NIV. He says, Nazareth, uh, well, they say to him, we found Jesus of Nazareth. And verse 46, um, Nathaniel says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? He asked, we'll come and see, said Philip. I love this. It is so fantastic. Um, Nathaniel is like totally uh, doubting Thomas, if you want to say that. Um, totally doubting Thomas in this moment. Like, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And Philip pulls a play from the rabbi's playbook, from Rabbi Jesus. And he says, come and see. Right? Because so like the first time they were like, you know, Jesus, where are you going? Rabbi, teacher, where are you going? And, and Jesus says to them, come and see. Well, now Philip does the same thing to Nathaniel, and that's fantastic. He's learning to be like Jesus already, and that's great. So, like, if you're dealing with someone in your life that's full of doubt, you know, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? If someone is in your life is doubting, and, like, they're not really sure what they think about Jesus, they don't know what they think about God, but they're meh, skeptical, there's nothing you're going to be able to do or say to really convince them. So, what you need to do is you need to say to them, well, come and see, because they need to experience God for themselves. And when they do, then they will be converted. But no amount of intellectual argument is going to get them there. So when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here's truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Verse 48, Nathanael says, How do you know me? Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. <laughs> Verse 49, then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Love this story. So like Nathanael is like, how do you know me? Like Jesus is like, yep, Nathanael, you have no deceit in you. How do you know me? Well, I saw you are still under the fig tree before Philip called you. So what we see about the nature of God in this is that he actually sees us. He could look at Nathanael and see that there was no, de no deceit. So Jesus, when he looks at us, he actually sees us. He sees us for who we are. He sees us like we are not alone. We're not unknown. We are not hidden away. Jesus sees us. And then he says, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. So before any of us received the call to come to Jesus, he saw us. He saw us before the call came. And Nathaniel's response to this is, you are the rabbi, you, you rabbi are the son of God, you're the king of Israel. These three titles mean quite a bit. So we know that he calls them rabbi, right? And we know that rabbi means teacher. And this is a big deal for them because part of their culture is, you know, once you get a certain age, if you don't pass the test, you don't pass the test. You don't get to continue on in your spiritual learning. So to call someone rabbi means that you are submitting to their teaching. You're recognizing that their teaching comes from God and that you're in submission to their teaching. Saying to him, you are a teacher. So one of the things I feel like God wants to emphasize to us is that 
Jesus is a teacher. Like he is never going to get exasperated when we come to him and ask questions. Like we're not bugging him, you know, we're not bothering him. He loves to teach. If you've ever met someone who was a teacher who loved to teach, you know that they love to just expound on what's going on. And Jesus is a great teacher. He has great teaching techniques. Like he asks questions and he wants us to learn, but he doesn't always like directly tell us the answer. I mean, sometimes he does because hello, sometimes we just need someone to tell us the answer. But frequently what he'll do is he'll ask us a question that will lead us to the truth. Because when you discover a truth for yourself, you own it. And Jesus wants us to own the truths that we believe in. He wants us to believe, to own those truths. And so he is a rabbi to us. He is also the son of God. This speaks to the deity or the godness of Jesus, that he is the son of the living God. He is come down from God to us for a purpose. So that's one of the things that Nathaniel says, like, you are the son of God. That's a big deal to be able to say that. To say that he is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the one that they have long waited for. Then he also says that you are the King of Israel. That's some dangerous stuff to say in that day, man. That is some dangerous stuff to say. Because Israel itself was still a nation at that time. But it functioned under the authority of Rome. Rome had conquered the land. And then they gave them a measure of autonomy. They were semi-autonomous, especially in religious worship and religious matters. They were autonomous. They were allowed to have their religion. And then they they had Herods, which sat in rulership over them. So that Herods really functioned more like a governor or a kingship in Israel. But Israel itself was subject to Rome and Roman rule. So for him to look at him and say, Jesus, you are the king of Israel. That's some dangerous stuff, you know, Um, because it's going to tick off some people politically to be able to say that this guy is the king of Israel. Like, and, and Jesus is, he is the king of Israel, not just Israel, but he is the king of Israel. Like his kingdom is greater than that, but it's a dangerous kind of wild thing to say, to recognize the kingship of Jesus in that day. And Jesus says to him, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You'll see greater things than that. And then he added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. So it's, he says, you believe that I told you, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. Like you believe because I had a word of knowledge. You believe because I knew something about you before you knew it. That's why you believe. And you think that's amazing. You're, you're astonished by it. Like, you're so astonished. You call me rabbi. You call me son of God. You call me king of Israel because of it. And Jesus says to him, I tell you, you're going to see greater things than that. And I love this about Jesus. Every time you think that you have reached the top, like the pinnacle of who he is and what he's capable of, Jesus always has the ability to say, oh, you're going to see greater things than that. Like God always has the ability to one up his greatness or at least our perception of his greatness. He has the ability to go like, you're seeing this, you're going to see greater. There's always one step of greater to be explored in God. That's his nature. There's always more of God to explore. There's always more of his greatness to be explored. And then he says, very truly, I tell you, you will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. 
This is fantastic because Nathaniel's response is, you are the rabbi, you are the rabbi, you are the son of God, and you're the king of Israel. He says, I see the godness in you. And Jesus' response is, well, you're going to see heavens open. You're going to see the angels ascending and descending on the son of man. Right? Jesus doesn't say on the son of God. He says on the son of man. So when we look at God, when we look at Jesus, we see his godness. But what Jesus emphasizes about himself is his manness, is his humanness. So like it is appropriate and right for us to recognize the deity of God, the deity of Christ, and to humbly bow before Jesus as God. But the thing that Jesus says back to us in response is, and I am human too. I am also one of you. I know what it's like to be you. I know what it's like to be human. Yes, I am God, but I know what it's like to be you. You know, Hebrews says that we have a high priest that's not untouched with our infirmities. He is very much in touch with our infirmities, our weaknesses. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to live on this planet and to try to do the right thing and to not always have the right thing come back. Like he knows what that's like. So when we emphasize the godness of Jesus, Jesus emphasizes the humanness of himself. He knows us. He knows what it's like to be us. And he cares deeply about us. He cares deeply about you, about your everyday life, about what's going on with you right now. He came here and take and took on human form, human flesh, and became one of us. Yes, to make a sacrifice at Calvary, but not just to do that. He can absolutely identify with our weaknesses because he has been human too. So let's pray. Jesus, I just want to thank you that you are supreme and that you are mighty and that you are great and gracious. Thank you that you are the son of God, that you are the king of Israel, that you are all of these amazing and lofty things. And thank you, Jesus, that you took on human form and that you know me and that you see me, that even the hairs of my head are numbered, that nothing about me escapes your attention, that you chose to become human, not only to save me, but also to be able to identify with me, to be able to walk this process through with me. So I thank you and I love you in your holy name. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you next time on Reigning in Life.